Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Eric Ramos, and I am joined today by Alex Murrah. And if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone, both in and out of the field of public health. Today, we'll be chatting with Liz Laura, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion with the College of Public Health here at the University of Iowa. Liz is an alum of the university and comes to this position after serving as the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Graduate College since 2019. She is an exciting addition to the College of Public Health, and we're excited to have her. Welcome to the show, Liz. So before we begin, as Eric kind of mentioned in your introduction, you've had lots of leadership positions, um, many of which were related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So can you just talk us through how you got started in this important field? Hi, thank you. Thank you for the invitation too. I think this was a really interesting question because I think about my journey, you know, quite often. Um, and it really started coming to Iowa as a student. And I remember coming to Iowa. So I'm from California and my mom, you know, the first thing she said was like, don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you come from. And that's always been at the back of my head um, as at any work that I do. But it really, Iowa sort of made me realize, you know, I didn't really have to think about my identities as much because I was in California and I identify as Latina and I didn't have to think about my Latinidad until I got to Iowa and I was like, oh, I am different. So how do I make the best of this, right? And for me, it was building community and finding that space because I knew I wanted to pursue my education and I had to sort of anchor myself here and, and, and make it work. So that was, I got involved in working with the community, but my, my interest grew even more deeply, I would say, when I was pursuing graduate school because I started you know college during the housing market crash in 2008, where my community in California was just completely devastated and several people were displaced from their homes. People were, were, were homeless all of a sudden, right, who had these beautiful homes. And so I wanted to be able to see, like, how can I go back and, and help my community and how can we get through this? So I pursued uh, urban and regional planning and housing and community development. And that's where I really learned about inequities and the histories of our towns. And, 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 and I'm like, I want to do something. And as soon as I uh, graduated, I pursued and I, and I was able to, I feel very lucky that I was able to land a job with the Civil Rights Commission and investigate cases of discrimination. And so I was working directly with community members who filed complaints. And I was the first bilingual investigator. So I was able to file cases and working with folks who spoke Spanish. And it was mostly in cases of um, employment and housing discrimination, but that really got me to, to be able to really work directly with the community and sort of be able to provide any form of relief from what that was. And, and really not just like the investigation piece, but also the awareness piece of teaching folks about their rights and, and the responsibility as a, as a local government that we have to look into that, that just because we're not getting, you know, cases doesn't mean discrimination isn't happening. Yeah, that's a really interesting career and a, quite a path, honestly. Thinking about your current role as a DEI manager for our college, can you just tell us a little bit what that role specifically entails? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot in there. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier too. And so I would say that my main role really entails in supporting the implementation of our diversity, equity, inclusion goals and efforts. And that is really bringing a DEI lens to everything that we do. And I know that we 
we have it and we just, you know, we have it in different spaces, but really to the different things that we do. So I serve on the college's wide committee. I also serve on the subcommittees, the outreach and the re and the scholarships. And really what it is, is working with faculty and staff to bring educational training workshops and even social opportunities to the college to really build sort of a sense of community for underrepresented students, but also for our, our entire college community. There are a lot of folks who, who want to do the work um, already here. So I feel very lucky to be a part of that. And, and I don't feel like I'm doing this work alone. There's a lot of support and there's a lot of ideas. And I think something that we're just trying to do is really sort of funnel and centralize all those efforts so that um, we can increase awareness of what we're doing as a college and, and just helping that. And so I, I feel, you know, very lucky to have a lot of support here. Oh, and oh, well, and that's the other piece too, is the, the main thing too, is be a resource for students as well. And the, the DEI liaison sort of service, the DEI liaison for any concerns, um, issues, anything DEI related, but you know, it doesn't, have to be DEI related as well. I want to be as a resource here for students and help you navigate whatever whatever things I can at not the college level, but at the institution level as well. You know, I know a lot of the campus resources. And so for me, it's just being, you know, I've been in meetings and, and I think Eric, you've been in a few of these meetings where students are like, just the fact that we have someone that we can go to is so incredibly important because that's the first step and in, in just trying to figure something out. So I'm really working on building an affinity space for underrepresented students so that they have somewhere also to just go and, and be with each other. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I definitely have been on the other end of that. Making like I'm really appreciative that you're here as someone who is trying to tackle these DEI issues to kind of serve as that faculty resource to really try to push these things forward. So I know I've appreciated having you thus far. I guess kind of bouncing off that, like what do you hope to accomplish kind of like what is like what would you say is a good success in your terms as far as your tenure here with diversity, equity, and inclusion? So I think that was a really hard question because you know there's so many things that I'd, I'd love to accomplish and if you know money was no object or anything, but ultimately, I, I think to me the biggest thing that I would love to to have is just to have or to accomplish just a strong sense of belonging and community where I want folks, underrepresented folks, all folks from historically marginalized identities to walk the spaces in as their full authentic selves, right? To not have to put a mask on put a mask off whenever they interact with other people to feel like this is my institution, this is also my home, and to really have have that connection. And I, I was at I was at an, like an alumni meeting and I was wearing my Iowa gear and people are nobody else was. And they're like, oh look, she's wearing Iowa gear. I said, yeah, this is my institution too, right? You might not you know, think of a Latina as, as I, you know, meet the immediate connection with Iowa, but but it is, you know, I am I am part of this community and I want our folks to feel that way too. So when we're thinking about all these initiatives and all the goals that we have for this program, how can we even begin to like measure the success of them as far as like, have they been successful in promoting these DEI activities? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I I thought about this and, and I was like, maybe I'll go back to it because I think that a lot of people want to do diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and they just want to jump right into it. And they want to do trainings, and they want to do workshops, and they want to do outreach. But to be completely honest, a lot of the work really starts with oneself and having that increased awareness of our own identities, our own salient identities, and how aware are you of the assumptions that you have, and why do you have those? And and 
how how do the identities that you have impact the relationships and the conversations that you build with others, you know, because we do code switch, we do act differently when we're in front of other people and when we are, you know, working with, with different folks. And so a lot of the work I would say before you jump into that is do a lot of self-awareness, self-reflection and understanding. And we don't, unless you're actively thinking about it, you don't really, you know, stop by, stop and, and, and do and do that self-awareness piece to be able to work with communities. And I think it's it's just so important because it increases not just your own understanding, but it builds skills for you to be able to get into communities and understand their needs and their wants and legitimize their experiences and trust, you know, that they're telling you what they need and then be able to create sort of sustainable solutions so that it's not just a one and done um, one and done approach kind of thing, but but being able to see what we've done, you know, in, in the long run. So increased awareness of our own work, recognizing our own assumptions and, and doing our work as well, and the sustainable measures. I know there's kind of a lot to tackle when we talk about DEI. There are so many aspects when you start talking about identity and kind of diversity, inclusion, recruitment. Kind of, what would you say is the most pressing issue? the most pressing issue within your work currently at the College of Public Health that the general public, students, faculty may not be aware of? I was thinking about this question because I think, you know, and I'll touch base about this in a later question too, but I think we all know or have some understanding that we need to do training, right? We need to do education and we need to do workshops and, and you know, we need to talk about microaggressions and, and privilege and all those things. But I think something that is not as loud, that's not really spoken about is the, the cultural impacts of mental health and checking in on ourselves and in our community, because, you know, I'll speak for myself and my family and my community, like talking about mental health is taboo, right? Like that's not a thing you talk about. It's, we don't talk about it. You just work, 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 and you you don't ask for help and, and you, you keep, you keep doing what you do. And so it's really important that we recognize that this this is something that needs to be addressed and, and talked about. And I know <laughs> the perfect reference for that is the Disney movie Encanto. You know, if you've seen it, it talks about the, the, the cult, uh, family and culture and d- dynamics. And those are really deep and heavy that we can bring onto ourselves. But when we're talking about the communities we serve, our students and our faculty and staff, they all bring something. And I think, you know, we can't just keep pretending that it's not there and we need to address it and make sure that we're talking about it and that it's okay, right? It's okay to talk about it and being able to provide resources and, and be vulnerable. It's just it's just hard because people are not used to being vulnerable in spaces, but if we don't know about it, we can't help each other. So, Yeah, 100%. You know, like I think mental health has been one of those topics that has been so heavily emphasized by just in the past couple of years with this pandemic, right? And this kind of goes into our next question where (laughs) it's a heavy hitting question and it's honestly kind of a lot to introduce, but we have seen many longstanding inequities in healthcare, housing, education, and honestly, just so many other factors that influence a person's overall like physical, but also mental health and well-being. And all of these have been kind of like really brought to attention during this pandemic. And we've seen, too, lots of discussions about how these inequities are largely driven by factors such as racism or biases that are embedded within our systems and institutions. So (laughs) getting to the heavy hitting question, 
what advice maybe do you have for current and future public health professionals when addressing um, these inequities, especially some of them can be they can be hard to talk about and like difficult to address because they are systemic. Yeah, I was like, there's a, I have a really long answer for this, but to, to put it really shortly, if that's a word, <laughs> nothing about us without us, right? Nothing about us and the communities that you will be working uh, for without their feedback, without their input, without, you know, their, their opinions, because ultimately we need the communities on board so that our efforts can succeed. And having a DEI lens is hard, right? It's it's hard because it forces us to break down and sort of slow down our thinking and to be really intentional about who we're including and what we're doing and, and being really aware. And that's why self-awareness is just really important because if you know your identities and how, you know, how that impacts your conversations or your relationships, you're more aware of how you're going to interact with others and being able to to gain that community trust so that they can provide you with the feedback and the opinions on the policies or the programs that you're going to be working with is just is just so critically important. So, you know, take take a moment to, you know, try to approach things with a DEI lens, you know, understanding that it's going to require empathy and patience and slow down sort of your thinking to, to be really intentional about who you're going to include. And again, always make sure, you know, you're, you're thinking nothing about us without us, who's in the room and who's, who's not in the room and who's, whose voices are, are louder than others and who we're including. It takes, it takes a lot more work. It, t- it takes time. But if you really want to have, you know, an, an equitable approach to things, that is, is, is how it has to be done and being, being patient with yourself, but also learning that it's going to be a learning experience for you as well. And I would, you know, approach it in a situation where, you're also learning from the community because we don't always have all the answers, right? And they might give you some feedback that you don't want, but usually when the community is pretty loud about it, they're right. And I would say, you know, and 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 work work with that as well because it's it is really hard. And and you know, I've been in these spaces where we've gone directly to talk to the community and they appreciate it so much on on a huge level that you're even just seeking their input. So I, you know, I like to remind myself nothing about us without us. I think that's really good advice, especially like to me who's like studying to be a healthcare administrator. You know, we're constantly told listen to your community, listen to your staff, they'll tell you what they want out of their healthcare needs. So I think that's a really great advice. As far as kind of the college of public health, like what what are some ways do you think we could increase the number of underrepresented students, faculty, and staff in the college of public health just to you know get more people here to be able to listen to that community? Yeah, no, that's that's so incredibly important because we know that representation matters, right? It's just, it's so important. And to be honest, I think we have to, this is, I know I sound repetitive, but I want to do like do our own self-awareness and really, really work on our retention and really work on building the culture that we have here, building a stronger culture for the folks that we have here, because that's going to be our number one recruitment tool, right? It's the folks who have really great experiences they're going to go out and they're going to tell everyone how much they loved their experiences here, our underrepresented folks. And to be able, you know, they're going to feel comfortable telling people, yes, go to the College of Public Health because I felt supported and I felt like I could be myself. And when when people are looking for, when students are looking for a space to be, they want to know that they're not going to be alone.
phone. Like, I, I don't, I don't remember who I was on a phone call with, but their, their number one, con, you know, concern coming here is how can I build community? Where can I find space? And if we can provide the answers to that, that means we have to have a healthy, you know, community within ourselves where we can say we are retaining our folks and that's helping bring people here. There's a, always a lot of you know, focus on recruitment and that's important, but we also need to talk about retention and, and how we're, you know, providing support for, for, for our people that we have here. And that's creating those affinity spaces and including them to be part of the conversations and including them in our, in our vision and our strategic goals and planning and setting, making sure that they're, you know, always in the room present. And, and, and I, and I do think that that will attract more people here. And then also, you know, Folks of color get picked on a lot to talk about their experiences when we have candidates here. And if you don't feel like you can have a candid conversation, like I can pick that up. We can pick that up from each other. And and it's just it, it goes to, to, to the whole experience about bringing people here. Right. And, and also, I know that we we've talked to it's in, you know, in the plan and we're, we're trying to work on this. But I'd love to also establish some some pipelines with underrepresented high school students as well. And just increasing the awareness about public health and the opportunities and what it is and and what they can can explore at Iowa. So those are some really exciting things that I know that we've got sort of coming down, but there's lots of ways, but I would say take, taking care of the people we have here and really establishing that so that we can bring others into a really healthy uh, and strong environment. Actually, kind of a kind of quick follow-up question before I ask our final question. Um, are there any like maybe like events or things that we should be on the lookout as far as like DEI related events in the next semester? So I don't have the, the 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 full fall semester planned out yet, but yes, definitely. So that is one of my my main responsibilities too is establishing uh, a connect series. And so I, I wanted what I've called it is connecting communities, creating space for underrepresented students. And so we'll have different opportunities to come together. And the next one I want to have a it, I'm aiming for April nineteenth. We're going to have Dr. Maria Bruno come and talk about the actually the impact the cultural impact of of mental health. And so, and also through like the Encanto characters, which is a really cool presentation and, and build and have a separate hands-on activity of grounding skills. And then, and then also through the DEI student subcommittee, it's a great group of, of 20, 20 or so plus students from the College of Public Health who have just gotten together and we're going to be creating a calendar of events for the next school year um, already. So be on the lookout for, for that. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. <laughs> so our last question, and this is a question that we ask all of our guests who come onto the podcast, is what is one thing that you thought you knew, but were later wrong about? Is this DEI related or? It can be about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out, I'm like, do you really want to hear about my kids? Or <laughs> oh, But D- I would, I, I'll keep it DEI related because I'm constantly reminding myself of this is that, that, you know, I always think obviously like this is my world. I live in DEI. I, you know, breathe the language or whatever, speak it, but, but not everybody does. Right. And so, and everyone has their own 
different level of understanding and, and different foundation. And to me, I'm like, oh, everybody knows about microaggressions and everybody knows about, you know, all these terminology, but that's not true. You know, and I'm always told, oh, you give people too much the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, well, I, I just assume people know. And so I'm just trying to be, you know, remind myself that we all have a different level of understanding and it's going to require patience and empathy when working with folks, especially if they're really trying to learn because you you want to keep having those conversations. You want to be having these conversations all the time. And you want to get to the point where people are comfortable talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations. And that, you know, requires us to, to understand that everyone comes at it from their own experiences and from a different approach. And that's okay. And, and just because you know more than, you know, a little bit more than other folks doesn't mean that everyone knows everything. And so I think that's why it's important to sort of just, uh, just kind of remind yourselves that, you, you know, everyone's coming from a different perspective and we just got to have patience and keep the conversation going. I think that's the biggest, most important piece for me. Okay, Liz, I'm going to make you answer the question also and non-DEI related, just because I know that sometimes DEI people get stuck in that DEI box, and I want the College of Public Health to kind of get more, know more about you, other than just the realm of the DEI work. So what's something you thought you knew but were wrong later about that's not DEI related? Okay, this one, this, this is, this is going to be about my kids. I thought having a second kid was going to be easier because I already had one and I was completely wrong because now you have two little people who constantly need your attention and sort of having to navigate that, but also something that I, so I, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro. I'm one of nine. I have five brothers and four sisters, four brothers, five brothers and four sisters. And I was like, I, I got this. And then I had my second baby and, and I was like, oh, I have to pay attention to, to four little ones, but also my, my four-year-old, she's growing so fast and develop, you know, she's in school. And so she's learning new things. And so I'm like figuring, figuring out that balance between having a, a baby newborn going through those developmental milestones and then another one. And so my colleagues always say, oh, you know, you got little people, little problems, big kids, bigger problems. So it's supposed to get more fun or harder later, but, but yeah, so no, I, I'm learning a lot. It's definitely teaching me a lot of patience and just really finding a balance, a healthy balance, you know, work-life balance. I think that's, my kids are teaching me that a lot. So I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah, no. And, you know, I, I actually had a random person at a store tell me like, if, if a parent tells you, you know, they're thriving and they know it all, they're lying to you. So it's okay. You know, you're not the only one feeling that. So, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for just not only for the DEI advice, but also for the life advice as well. You're doing it all, you know, you are doing DEI work and also being a mother is so hard. So thank you so much for coming onto this podcast with us. I think we had a blast talking, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really did enjoy, enjoy this and thank you for the opportunity and there's you know other ways that I can help support either of you and these efforts please let me know I, I love it that you're, you're giving DEI a space for this so thank you that's it for our episode this week big thanks to Liz Laura for coming on with us today this episode was hosted by Eric Ramos and Alex Mura written edited and produced by Alexis Clark you can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu.
This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep learning.